You can open up in your Bibles. We're going to be over in the book of Genesis chapter 12. There was an elderly couple who had passed away on the same day. And um, they were up in heaven. And as they were greeted, they were given a tour of heaven. And they first uh, went on by and they showed them the mansion they would be able to live in. And the husband commented to the uh, angel who was giving them the tour. He said, wow, that is magnificent. What is that going to cost me in rent? And the, the angel looked at him and says, uh, Sir, this is heaven. It's all free. Well, they went on from there and they went on into the, uh, the, the lunchroom. Huge, huge buffet all before there. Just all kinds of foods, anything you want to eat. And he says, My, oh my, what's this going to cost me a plate? And again, the angel said to him, said, Sir, this is heaven. It's all free. And so they... They went out from there and they went over to this huge golf course. Heaven's Country Club up there. Oh, just beautiful greens out there and, and just, uh, oh, just trees. It just was absolutely gorgeous to look at. Probably the best golf course this guy had ever seen. And the angel, as a, showing him the, the country club and the golf course, he said, and before you even ask, there are no greens fees. It's heaven. It's all free. The husband turned to his wife and he says, doggone woman. Ten years of your brand muffins. I could have been here sooner. <laughs> Boy, I tell you what, the hope that we have in front of us determines a lot of things. What is our hope for the things to come? What is our immediate hope? What is our hope for the life in front of us? And what is our hope for the life that is to come? We've got to make sure that we have our hope right. We can get so caught up and I know even some Christians do get so caught up with the love of this life and the things that are in it that we forget the hope we have is even greater. What we have up there in heaven is even better. And thank God we can be down this earth and serve Him and do all the things we can for Him and learn about Him. What we do in this life determines our position in the next. But thank God, if we go on from this life, it's even better. Let's keep that hope alive. Here in Genesis chapter 12, we've been talking about hope, hope that does not waver. Our text scripture for this has been over in Hebrews. And you all have this up in your refrigerator, I'm sure, by now. And what does it say? How does it start? Hold fast the what? The confession of our hope. And then what's it say about that? Without wavering. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For He who promised is faithful. We probably don't have to bring that, put that up on the screen anymore for you, right? <laughs> oh, we ought to get that memorized. Have that down. We're focusing on the confession of our hope because we need to hold fast to that confession. But the hope that we have, we talk about negative hopes and positive hopes and wrong hopes that can get snuck in. But the hope that we have will come out of our mouth. We will begin to speak it. And many times, even though we talk about the hope that God's Word says, we have actually allowed a different hope to come in and we're speaking about that hope. And we've got to make sure we always keep the hope in front of us and it's God's hope and it's not ours. We're going to look at a guy who wrestled with his idea of keeping God's hope in front of him. And if you can understand, we're, we've, we've studied these passages of Scripture. We've studied Abraham over and over and over again. 
But we're just going to run through this, looking at it from a different perspective, a little bit different perspective, just from the perspective of hope. What was Abraham's hope? What was God trying to do with Abraham in the area of hope? In the area of confession of his hope? We're going to take a look at that. And you know what? If there's hope for Abraham, thank God there's hope for us. Because Abraham was up and down. Yeah, I think he wavered a little. What do you all think? Even though the Bible says without wavering, even though we have wavered, thank God. If Abraham can make it, <laughs> so can we. We're going to look first here at the promise that God gave to Abraham. Here in chapter 12, he's Abram. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. Now that's the command that he gave him, but here's the promise. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So I broke this down for you in your outline. This is the hope. This is the promise that God gave. Our hopes are based on the promises of God because hope is always future. Hope is never present. If hope is present, it's no longer hope. You already have it. You don't hope for what you already have. We hope for what we yet need to attain to or to receive. I will, future tense, right? I will make you a great nation. In other words, he's not a great nation now. But the promise is that I will make you one. So his hope is to become a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. I will bless you and make your name great. Now this is the second aspect of the promise. But look how personal it is. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. Did he not make Abraham's name great? Does not all the world know about Abraham? And you shall be a blessing. Again, it's personal. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. God is saying, I will bless those around you who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. Is this not part of his hope? Is it not future? Is it not something that is to come? So any, so he's walking around. Anyone who blesses me, what's going to happen to him? They're going to be blessed. Anyone who curses me, what's going to happen to him? They'll be cursed. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And boy, didn't He bring that about. The promise of Jesus Christ came to the nation of the Jews, the Jewish people. And salvation came not only to the Jewish nation, but to all. Glory to God. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So this is the first promise He comes down and makes to Him. Now, once we have the promise, then we have the follow-through. And we're just going to take a look at each time that God came down and, and talked about the promise. So here's the promise. Here's the follow-through. Let's go on over here to, to verse 4. We're going to read some of this. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. Well, we know that he didn't quite do everything. And we've talked about before how he, how he left Ur of the Chaldeans, how they made a pit stop. And that's where his father died. And they spent a lot of time there and the rest of his family stayed behind. And uh, Lot and Abraham left from there and came on down. So 
Har Haran is actually where they go back to find their relatives and no longer err. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan, and Abram passed through the land of the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Morah. He went as far as the what? Boy, I don't know about you, but how do you like to get directions by a tree? When you pass the tree over there. That must be a pretty distinctive tree, don't you think? And apparently there's only one of them. I ran into this. I probably haven't told this story in a while, but some of you remember this. I, I ran into this one time when I was selling insurance out in the state of Oklahoma. Now, I've told people over and over again, there are only two places that people should exist in the state of Oklahoma. Oklahoma City and Tulsa. The preferred is Tulsa. I've been to Oklahoma City. It's okay, but it's not as nice as Tulsa. The rest of the places, we just don't really have a whole lot of business going to. And I know that because I've been there. I've been to all the, all the big spots. And uh, most places outside of those two cities are pretty important if they have a Walmart. Or a McDonald's. There is one town that I know of in the state of Oklahoma, outside of Oklahoma City and Tulsa, that has both a McDonald's and a Walmart. One town that I know of. The rest of them have either or, and most of them don't have any. They're just there. So I pulled into this one town, and he said, and the guy told me, he says, when you get into town, give me a call, and I'll give you directions. Now, this is back in the 80s. We don't have cell phones in the 80s. I don't know if they're out yet or if just really, really rich people have them. But I know that I did not have a cell phone in the 80s. And so this is, uh, I guess, in the uh, latter 80s. But So I pulled into town and you, you, know, you look around for a phone booth. There aren't many of those around anymore, but you can still find them now. But back then you could find them a lot more. So I pulled into town and I found a phone booth. I had his number and whenever we went out, we always had to carry a whole lot of quarters because that's what you needed to make phone calls. And so he put the quarter into the phone, phone and I uh, called him up. I said, all right, I'm in town. Where do I go? He says, okay, you're at the phone booth, right? <laughs> that probably didn't mean nothing to him. But to me, I'm thinking, the phone booth? <laughs> There's only one phone booth in this entire town? So the Terebinth tree. I understand when they're talking about the Terebinth tree. Because I came, spent a little bit of time out there in Oklahoma. And I can understand that. So anyway, he's out here by the terebinth tree. Verse 7, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abraham, so Abram journeyed going still toward the south. And he eventually keeps going south, 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 and he eventually gets over to Egypt because the famine was severe in the land that God had called him to. Now, we don't know if God had said, you know, go into there, to there and since there's no food, go on to Egypt and wait for the food to arrive. All we know is that God said, go into the land of Canaan, but Abraham came up with what we, what we would assume is another idea, and that is there's no food here yet. Let's go on down to Egypt. And so he heads on down to Egypt with his, with, his clan, with his folks there. So as they're heading on down, it seems that Abram gives into a thought. 
Because as they get close to Egypt, it's the, it says in the Bible, as they got close to Egypt, he, Abram turns to Sarai, his wife, and he says, you know those folks down there? You're a beautiful woman and they're going to kill me because of you. They're going to get me out of the way and they're going to want to take you. And So, um, you know, just to make sure I stay alive, uh, how about if you say that you're my sister because really you're my half-sister and, you know, we won't be lying, but we'll, we'll go with that. For some reason, she goes along with this. I don't know what kind of a fight she put up about it. All I know is that she went along with it. So he follows through on a scheme to keep himself alive. Well, what did God say to him? I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What do you think God's trying to get over to him? This is coming to you. This is not coming to another. This is coming to you. But the thought came in to Abraham's mind. He's got this hope. God is going to bless me. God is going to make a great nation out of me. God is going to bless those who bless me. God is going to curse those who curse me. That's his hope, isn't it? That's what God promised. That's what he's thinking. But then all of a sudden this thought comes in. When you get down to Egypt, your wife is so beautiful, they're going to kill you. (gasps) They will. What happened? His hope got replaced. He now has the hope of dying in Egypt. He let himself conjure up a hope of dying in the land of Canaan because there was no food. And then he allowed himself to conjure up a hope of dying in the land of Egypt because his wife was so beautiful and they're ungodly men and they'll kill him. So they come up with this scheme. What does the Word of God say in Hebrews again? Now again, Abraham didn't have Hebrews, but we do. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for He who promised is faithful. Did not God make the promise to him? And this was not the first time. God made a promise to him. But he gave into a thought. And the thought was contrary to the promise of God. His confession then became based on this new hope. They will kill me because of you. Is that not a confession? Is that not a confession of what we expect to happen? They're going to kill me because of you. And we don't want that to happen because God has all these wonderful things for me. <laughs> so, uh, I need to be preserved. So, we need to come up with a plan here to do that. Didn't he forget the part about those who curse you? He forgot about a few things, didn't he? He didn't have a whole lot of follow-through on this. How many have ever done any kind of sports? Anything. I mean, bowling. Golf. Uh, what else is uh, Tennis. Yeah, tennis has a lot of follow-through. Racquetball. There's follow-through on on racquetball. Just about all those... uh, Baseball. There's follow-through on the the baseball. After you hit the ball, you don't just stop with the bat. There's follow-through when you throw the ball. There's follow-through on playing frisbee. There's follow-through on so many different sports. And if you don't have the follow-through right, what happens? Now, most of us have gone at some point in time, probably have gone out and, and done some bowling. And how many of you all know that on the follow-through, your arm wants to go to the left or to the right? And the trick is, 
to keep your arm straight. And then some of the real good ones, they do something with their hand and get a spin on the ball. But, you know, those of us who aren't real good at bowling, we're just happy to get the ball down the aisle and straight. I'm happy with that part. You know, hitting the fairly straight. You don't want to hit it right on the head pin, but, you know, fairly straight. That's We're, we're glad with that part of it. But not other people, you know, they want to throw that ball and that ball spins and curves and comes real close to the gutter and then spins its way on out and comes in and hits it and pins go flying every which way. And That's not the way that I bowl. But I've seen people who bowl that way. But even those folks, their follow-through is important. Where your arm goes and things like that. We can't just have a promise from God. We have to follow through right. We have to make sure that we... Uh, that after the promise, we follow through with it. He didn't follow through with this too well. As soon as he gets the thought in there, well, there's going to be no food over here. You better get out. As soon as he gets the thought that they're going to kill you because your wife is so beautiful, he runs with it. He goes after that thing. So he didn't do so good on this this first promise that he got. What happened to the hope that he had? He got it. He let it be replaced with something else. Let's go over to the second time. Genesis chapter 13, verse uh, 14. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, because they were both just too prosperous and had too much stuff, they couldn't stay together anymore. They were back over here in the land of Canaan. And Lot had separated from him, because Lot had lifted up his eyes, and he looked and he saw all the nice lush valleys. And so he decided to go that way. So God says to Abraham, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, north, south, east, and west. Brother David Ingalls has a song about this. I love that song. And I have a hard time reading this scripture outside of the lyrics of David Ingalls' song. So you'll notice that in your outline, I wrote, I rewrote part of it and put it in there as David Ingalls sings it in a song because that's how it always goes over in my head. Whenever I read this, I have to fight with it to not read it this way. Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you now stand. North, south, East and west, I'll give you all the land. To your seed forever, God promised Abraham, I will make your faith seed number as the sand. What a promise. That's the promise that God had. See, Brother David likes to put those things into songs. You can go around there and sing them. And that way you stay mindful of the promises of God. Don't stop singing those country songs. They're not singing about promises of God, are they? There's no promises of God in those country songs. I'm not saying there's no country Christian music out there, but there's absolutely no promises of God in the country songs that are out there. There's other stations that are on the, on the radio and, and there's no promises of God in those either. You've got to get some words going around in your head that go over about the promises of God. And some folks like to bust on me for David Ingalls type music. You can go ahead. Brother Hagin's on my side. He said that one time Right there in the meeting. Brother Ken Copeland was right there too. Brother Ken Copeland tells the story, by the way. <laughs> or no, I think Brother David Ingalls told, told the story. He said he was sitting there and, and Brother Hagen turned to him and he said, Brother David Ingalls, he said, you ought to go out there and get some of his albums. This is the only music I listen to. And Brother Ken Copeland was sitting there and that was when Brother Ken Copeland was out there doing a lot of singing and, and albums and, and songs. <laughs> Brother David Ingalls said, I was so embarrassed. <laughs> 
Oh, boy. But all the, the words that are going over here in the promises of God over and over and over and over and over. One of the things Brother David Ingalls does too on his albums, every single album he ever put out, he had a promise came to God, brought from God to him directly. And he put it on every one of his albums. I know David Ingalls' promise from God by heart because I've heard it so many different times. But that's what we have to do. What promise has God given us? Some promises are in His Word and they're general. Some promises have come to you specifically. What are we doing with those promises? What are we doing with that hope? Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you now stand. North, south, east, and west. I will give you all the land to your seed forever. What seed? He has no seed. To your seed forever. God promised Abraham, I will make your faith seed number as the sand. This is the kind of thing that Abraham needed to be going over and over and over. But we're on the upswing now with Abraham. He's still Abram. I, you know, we're more used to calling him Abraham, but we're still... He, he's now on the ups, upswing. And over here in chapter 14, beginning in verse 1, we see that five kings from the north joined together and came down and raided the valley area, including the town of Sodom, the city of Sodom, and they took Lot and all his stuff captive. Now, this is Abram who was just afraid because of his wife to stand in Egypt because they would have killed him. And now he says, five kings and all their armies came down and took Lot. We will have none of that. Come on, you 200 servants, let's go. And he grabs his 200 servants, not trained in fighting. And it seems like without even a second thought. Now he seems to be renewed on the thing that God's going to bless me. If God's going to bless me, I can't die. If I can't die, I can go into battle. They can't get me. If they can't kill me, they can't win. Isn't that right about what it is? If you can't kill them, you can't win. Abraham's got this idea. I've never really thought of Abraham as a warrior. And he really doesn't do a whole lot of warring, but apparently here, he's leading 200 men into a battle against five kings and all their armies and defeats them and takes all their stuff. Brings all their stuff back. Takes all their stuff and all the stuff that belonged to Sodom and the kings that were in the valley, he gave their stuff back. He says, you're not going to be able to say that you made God rich. Well, that's the guy who sold out on the fact that God's going to bless me, not you guys. And you don't deserve this stuff because I got it back. I should keep it myself, but I'm not going to. I'm going to give it back to you so that none of you folks can say that I got rich off of your stuff. Here's all your stuff back. I'm just going to keep the stuff that was those five kings. I'll keep their stuff, but you can have all your stuff back. And so that's what he did. And then he runs across Melchizedek, the priest from what will become Jerusalem in the land of Israel. And he sows a tithe to Melchizedek. In other words, he took a, a, a tenth, probably, of uh, all the stuff he just got. He gave away all the other stuff to the kings. He didn't keep that. And then he took a tenth and he gave it to Melchizedek. Is this a man who was worried about being blessed? He says, he says, God, I'm going to dare you to bless me. I'm going to give away stuff. 
Just all over. Just give it away. Here's Melchizedek. He's a priest of God. I'm just going to bless him. This is the man who's gone over the promise and he's renewed on this thing and he's living like it. See, we're on the upswing with, with, with Abram now. So he defeats those guys and, and moves on. Well, then we come to a, a third time. Now, I messed up on some of the references here because I just copied and pasted on, the, on some of the references. I was going to change it and I forgot to change some of yours. So you have to change it in your outline if you want to have it correct. If you want to have it the way that it is, that's fine too. But here we have the third time God is going to renew the promise with him. In uh, chapter 15 and verse 1, we're going to look at a couple of them here. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Well, if God is your shield, are you going to fear anything? If God is your reward, are you going to be afraid about giving stuff away? And Abraham's not living that way. So he's, he's believing this. He says, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. Now, we just defeated five kings. We're just renewing ourselves in the promises of God. You would think Abraham's on a pretty good high. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you be on a pretty good high right now if you were Abraham? Things are going pretty good. Because it does say after these things. So apparently these things happened and then this word of the Lord came to him. Now, how many of you, after defeating five kings, getting all their stuff, declaring before everybody, God's blessing me. God is the one blessing Abraham, not, not anyone else. Come to verse 2. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. In other words, well, I've got all this stuff now, but I still don't have what I want. Did you ever have that when you were uh, young growing up, or even maybe when you are growing up? Head into Christmas time? And there's only one thing you want. You got everything but. I really wanted that though. I didn't get that. Oh, we're disappointed, aren't we? We don't sometimes look at all the stuff that we got. We look at, but I really wanted that. Abraham probably took some time after all this and the thought comes into Abram's head just like the thought came in before about Egypt. Well, you've got all this stuff, but you still don't have an heir. Who is going to inherit all this wealth when you go? Because you're not living forever. He got that thought. He's pondering on that thought. Boy, does he let go of things quickly, huh? Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one both, one born in my house, one not born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Now immediately inside of Abram, this meets resistance. Because we've been believing this for a while. And so far, no heir. No heir for my body. There's another one. He's going to inherit all my stuff. But he's not a descendant of mine. So the Lord of the Lord came to him saying, This one shall not be your heir. But one who will come from your own body shall be your, your heir. Isn't that good? Wouldn't you, if, I mean, if God spoke this to you directly, wouldn't this, wouldn't this be good? Wouldn't you be jumping around? Hallelujah! This is what God promised. He said, one from my body, one, a son of mine, is going to be the heir. Not this other one. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven. Oh, isn't it good when God uses props? Just imagine God one day making the stars, all the stars out there and saying, we're going to use this one day. <laughs> it's going to come in handy. We need a, we need a whole lot of stars out there because I'm going to use this one day and I need a lot of stars. So, you know, get busy. We want lots of them. 
Where do we leave off at? Verse 5? Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you up out of Ur and of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? And he said to him, Bring me a three-year-old neighbor. We go through the sacrifice and God does some spectacular things in the sacrifice. But again, we've covered this before. You can go back through and read it if you want to. Going down to verse 18. Uh, well, let's pick up at 17. And he came to pass when the sun went down, it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between this, those pieces. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, To your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. And he goes on and lists the folks that are in there and that they will come to him. So this is the promise that God has given to Abram. What does he say? One from your body. An heir from you will, will come. Now, you would think that you know, we just had an upswing. We now just had a downswing. What do we do for? We're due for an upswing, aren't we? Absolutely. We should have an upswing around now. Well, verse... Uh, Verse 6, chapter 5, and, and he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. It said that, he, that Abram believed in the Lord, in the promise that he had given him, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. And then we go over to chapter 16. And in chapter 16, we have the infamous story of Hagar. Oh, no. I thought we would go up after this. Hagar. Now, remember the promise that God gave... Originally, he was talking to him and his wife, but this last one, he was just talking to him. And he said, one from your body. And so then a thought gets dropped into his wife. You know, maybe Hagar. Maybe my, my you know, she's my bond servant. If she has a baby, it'll be mine. And maybe that's what God intended all the time. I mean, we just don't know. I mean, you told me the promise from God and God said it from your body, so... That would be from your body? Why don't we... I'll, I'll bet you this is what God had in mind. We should have thought of this sooner. We should have come into realization this sooner. And Abraham thought about this for a little while. He says, all right. All right. But the promise of God was originally to both of them, wasn't it? And the, the promise of God wasn't that he had to go and, and be creative and come up with his own way of doing things and, and go out there and and uh, not have have his own wife and... This is just, it's not right, but you know, your mind can do things because all of a sudden we had a hope that God was going to do things in a certain way and then the thought drops in, maybe Hagar. What's our hope now? Our confession is, maybe God will give us a son through Hagar. Isn't that what they're talking about? So what is their hope? Hagar. And they have replaced what God said with another hope. And that's what they're talking about. That's what they're speaking. How easy that is. If this is this easy for Abraham, how easy is it for us? We just switch it. I know God said that He'll do this for me, but it just doesn't look like it's happening. So maybe God wants to go this way. I mean, He did say, your body. That's what God said. You told me. I mean, it's, isn't that what He said? Yeah, that's what He said. All right, well then. 
So we got this thing with Hagar. And that didn't work out so well, did it? We had Hagar there and and she got pregnant and had a son and then she started to despise her her uh, Abraham's wife, her master. And and strife came into the household. It's because it was made from the beginning of time for one man to have one wife and one woman to have one husband. And you start messing with that and mixing it up, you get trouble. People have done it and they got trouble. Abram did it and he got trouble. Now he's got two women in the house. They all feel like they have the, you know, they're, they're fighting for who's taking the rulership in that area. And, and now one has a son and the other one doesn't. And that's huge to these folks. And it's like, I got a son. What do you got? <laughs> and so battles ensued. And, and eventually, Sarah just couldn't take it anymore. And said, we got to get rid of her. And you know that part where she gets sent on out. Not for a little bit yet, but that eventually does, does happen. Got so bad for Hagar, she actually ran away. But uh, God sent her back. Then we come over to chapter 17. When Abraham was 99 years old. This whole thing started when he was 75. 24 years. How many of you have been waiting for a promise of God for 24 years? He was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to Abram and he said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. He hasn't done a very good job on that so far, has he? And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. I will what? Now, if he says this, I will multiply you exceedingly, what does, if you're Abram, what does your mind go to? Ishmael. Wouldn't it? We've already put our hope there. We've already put a confession there. What we said would happen, did happen. He's focusing on Ishmael. Prove it to you here in a minute. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but you shall, your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Now you'll notice a theme in this word from God. The theme is His descendants. I'm going to change your name. You're going to become a father of many nations. And everything from there is about his descendants. God is trying to get him to focus on his descendants. Abram, at this point, is focused on his descendant, Ishmael. God, you need to get off Ishmael. We need to get you out of this area. So I'm going to change your name and call you Abraham, father of many nations. You've got to get off this thing with just Ishmael because all your hopes are now put up in that. You've relaxed your faith. You're not believing for anything more because you have Ishmael. So the promise we gave you before, one from your body will be your heir. You already feel like you've accomplished that. But Abram is hearing this entire word from God through the hope of Ishmael. And God's verse 9, And God said to Abram, 
As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants. How many times does he repeat that? Your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male child in your generations, he who is born in your house or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant. He who is born in your house and he who is brought with, brought with your money must be circumcised and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of the foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. King of people shall be from her. Now, Abraham's been on board with this fine all the way up until this point. This throws him. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90, 90 years old, bear a child? So all the time he is hearing this, he is hearing it through Ishmael. But now God says, All right, we're going to, brought, we're going to get you past that. And I am telling you, this child is coming through your barren wife, Sarah. We're going to call her Sarah now. We're not going to call her Sarah. It's going to be Sarah. This is what we're going to do. Now, he's fine with this all the way up until this point. And as soon as he says, Sarah, now we're back in the... I, I've been out of that for a while now. I haven't had that to mess with that hope or to keep putting faith on that hope or to keep having the confession to that hope. I've got Ishmael. And now you're telling me that I have to go back into this area of, of believing that Sarah is going to have a baby? Hasn't happened yet. It's been 24 years. Ishmael is about a teenager now. That's how long he's been walking after this and not really pursuing anything else. I got Ishmael. He's going to be the heir. And he's okay with this. But God is not. He says, I will bless her, Sarah. And also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. Not Hagar. Not Ishmael. Verse 18. And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. See, that's where his focus is. Then God said, No. <laughs> I mean, come on. If God says no, don't argue. <laughs> you know, There are some people in your life who said no and you know, you don't argue. I think God goes to the top of that list. If God says no, that's it. This is God. This is not your neighbor. This is God. Almighty, all-powerful God says no. Yes, sir. No. Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. And you shall call his name Isaac. Not Ishmael. Isaac, I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget twelve princes and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. 
Then he finished talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. So Abraham took Ishmael, his son, all who were born in his house, and all who were brought with his, his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very same day, and God, as God had said to do. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, and Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very same day, Abraham was circumcised in his son Ishmael. And all the men of the house, born in that house, were, who were bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. So he obeyed, and he did what he was told to do, but he did initially laugh. But then he, you know, God said no. <laughs> and so he does listen. All right. And he gets on. And this is the promise. Now I put this, this is the fourth, the, uh, the fourth time that God promised. And you have to fill in your own stuff there. I just ran out of room in your outline. But the promise came in chapter 17, 1 through 16, and the follow through came in 17 through 27. We see that Ishmael laughed, or that, that Abraham laughed and promoted Ishmael before God. But then he got with it and circumcised everyone as, as God said to do. Now here's a, you can count this almost as the full time because Abraham, not a whole lot of time has passed, but this is almost really a fifth time. There's just no room to put it that way in your outline, but you can write it in there any way that you want to. And the Lord appeared in verse 18, uh, chapter 18, verse 1. The Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees. We got plural there. We're not tree this time. We're terebinth trees. That's a little bit better. You know, out by the, the, the sycamore trees. We're better than the sycamore tree. You know, the, this is where he's at. By the terebinth trees of Mamre. As he was sitting in a tent door in the heat of the day, so he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, I have now found favor in your sight. Do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought. Wash your feet. Rest yourselves under the tree. And he's going to bring them some food. So Abraham went off and he hurried up and he got all this stuff taken care of and got it all fixed up for him. Got a uh, calf and cooked it up, and, and they're all still waiting. I mean, how long does it take to take, take a live calf, kill it, prep it, cook it, and then bring it in? I'm, I'm not thinking that's, you know, 15 minutes. And they sure didn't have microwaves back then, so that didn't help out. So finally, they get all this stuff done, and they uh, bring it all out to him. Verse 9, then he said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, So he said, Here, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. Now, before he said one year, and now he's saying according to the time of life, according to the time of life is nine months. So this is about three months later. According to the time of life, and behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door which was behind him. Now, Abram and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abram, Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child, since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you, according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh. I don't know why you want to lie to God, but you know, people do that all the time. For she was afraid and... and he said, No, but you did laugh. 
Well, she did. She thought that this isn't going to happen. First time this came three months ago, Abraham laughed. But now Abraham's over that. He's gotten his confession right. He's looking past Ishmael now and looking towards Isaac. He's got a confession going. He's been talking to Sarah, but apparently Sarah has not been buying into this as much as Abraham did. And so she's, she's nodding. Uh-huh. I hear you, honey. Okay. Child coming. Yep. Uh-huh. Okay. We're believing. We're there. Okay. And uh, she's going you know, on her own. Can you believe this guy thinks this is going to happen? Saying this to herself. And so when she hears it again, she has the same reaction on the inside she has every time that Abraham talks about it. And she just kind of laughs inside herself. She's gotten away with it all these other times. She thought nothing of it. But this time, the angel said, Ah, I caught that. Left. No. 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 That wasn't me. That, where is Hagar? I bet that was her. But she was laughing. She's been saying the whole time it wasn't going to happen. But I, you know, it wasn't, wasn't me. I don't know what it was that they went on. But anyway, they, got, they caught her. And we see later on that the time finally does come. And the child is born. But on this follow-through, everybody seemed to get, get on, on board with it. Abraham was already on board. He didn't laugh. He, didn't, he just said, okay. Nine months from now, fine. He got three months to get things ready, get things right. And when he heard, it, okay, nine months from now. We've been waiting for this thing for 24 years plus. Because it'll be 25 years total by the time the baby's born. That's a long time. How many of you have been waiting for a promise from God for 25 years? You can see where you could go up and down. Believing, not believing. Believing, not believing. Holding fast your confession, not holding fast your confession. And it's easy to do because holding fast to that promise that God has given us is not easy. There's a lot of things that come against you. There's a whole lot of things that, that, are, are, that become a problem. Ray, I'm going to ask you if you bring up one of those uh, offering buckets. I'll give you an example of all this. I have here in my pocket. I usually come up without any change, but I had to go back and get some. I just don't like it to rattle around. But you know, when you got you got change in your pocket, you have different kinds of, of, of things. Some of them are more valuable than others. I don't have any dollar coins. But if you have dollar coins and you have them fall out of your pocket, you're probably looking for that one. If you have a penny and it falls out of your pocket, I know Miss Ethel, she'll go after it, but not everybody else will. (laughs) Miss Ethel got a word from God and she won't let a penny go because what God spoke to her. And that's what you need to do. Honor what God God said. But when you have all these things in there and you're, you're thumbing around about all this sort of stuff. Now, how many have ever gone through tolls? Do toll take pennies? No. no. So generally, if I'm going to go on a long trip, I have a section of change set up, but you want to sort out the pennies, don't you? You want to get rid of the pennies. Generally, if I'm going to go through tolls, I like to just have quarters. I don't even want to mess with the dimes and the nickels. I just want to have quarters. And I want to give them you know, two quarters, three quarters. You used to be able to travel on the turnpike for two quarters. Now I think you need four just about any place you're going and then they go up from there. But you know, it's a great place to get rid of your change. Just, uh, you know, give them the, the, all that sort of stuff. And if you go down to South Jersey, they still have those automated ones where if you throw the coins in, you don't have to wait there in line for the, the guy to give change to the other people. But 
if you have all this stuff together and you need the bigger, you need the quarters, and you got to thumble through. How many times have you ever pulled out a nickel thinking it was a quarter? Ah, oh, man, it's a, it's a nickel, and you got to go back in there and dig again and, and find. You are distracted by a lot of other things, and so the best thing to do is to just strip these things down, and that's just fish out the quarters. Let's just fish out the things that we need. Let's just fish out the, 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 the good stuff that way. We don't need to have that, that other. If you're carrying dollar bills and you're going shopping for something expensive, what do you need one dollar bills for? Right? What do you need one dollar bills for? If you're going to go and shop for something, you know, if you're going to the grocery store and you're, you're buying a whole lot of groceries, what do you want? You, do, you, do you want to be giving them a whole lot of fives? No, you want some twenties. Maybe some 50s in there, depending upon how big your family is and how big your, your grocery bill is when you come up there with the, with the cart. You want to give them just a, a few things or else you just have a little Mac card and swipe that on through. That's even easier yet. But if you're just uh, going to have their with cash, you don't want to have all that other stuff in there. You want to narrow it down. Folks, we've got to narrow it down. We've got too many hopes on the inside of us. And some of those hopes are wrong hopes. And we're letting them confuse the issue. Abraham had Ishmael confuse the issue. He had that heir that was not of his, uh, not born of, of him. And that was a distraction for him. He had the thought about Egypt and the people that were down there. And that was a distraction for him. That wasn't part of the promise. We need to take what we have and what we're concentrating on as hopes and take them to the Word of God. Does the Word of God promise this to me? Is this anything compared to what I have as the Word of God? But you don't understand what I'm going through. No, I don't. I don't understand what you're going through, but God does. And God knew what you're going to go through before the foundation of the earth. What He wants us to do is trim it down. Get rid of the hopes that are in your life that have no business being there. Get them out. And they can sneak into you. Boy, I'll tell you what, they, they, can, they can sneak in. How many of you all know they, you can get wrong hopes and uh, you didn't want it. You didn't invite it. Have you ever had a joint that you know, was giving you problems? And then all of a sudden you're mindful of that thing. And if you start doing an activity, oh, I hope that doesn't... How would that hope get in there? Boy, we can do that. We can begin to, to think that way. You know, you know some of the things I was going through with this uh, pain in the, the lungs and all that sort of stuff? And it seems like ever since this thing has gone on that almost every Sunday, with the exception of one has been awful. Once I finished here, I mean, for, for a while, I waited until the evening, and then I could barely move. Ter- I mean, horrible. And then uh, anymore, it's, it's gotten more recent. But I held it off for the longest time to where I was never not anticipating that, that Sunday was ever going to happen. And then a couple weeks ago, I noticed inside, oh, i got to be careful. <laughs> it just <laughs> snuck itself right on in there. It's Sunday. And I still don't know what it is about Sunday that's different, but something that's different about Sunday, and it seemed like every Sunday, I mean, other days it would come on too, but it seemed like every Sunday, oh, it was bad. And the last couple of weeks, it was right after service. And it just, uh, it just wasn't good. Well, that's a wrong hope, isn't it? Because I'm allowing a hope to come in that, all right, here it is Sunday. This is what's going to go on. That's a wrong hope, isn't it? Is it a promise from God? And if I give in to it, I'm just like Abraham. He said, well, here's Hagar. Well, here we go down to Egypt. 
We're letting the wrong hope get in there. Don't let the wrong hope get in. Hold on to it. Sometimes we've had those things and people have told us, oh, I had that. It lasted, you know, a day. It lasted two days. And then it was gone. And all of a sudden we have the hope now, I have to endure this for two days and it'll be gone. Is that different from the hope that the Word of God gave us? <laughs> it's different, isn't it? But it's so easy to embrace that hope. In two days, this will be done. And so I just, I've changed my hope. I've changed my confession. Well, one day's passed. I only got another day. Isn't that a confession of my hope? Haven't we replaced the hope? Yeah, but you don't know how long I've been fighting this thing. No, I don't. <laughs> but all I do know is that He who promised is faithful. That's why we hold fast the confession of our hope. We've got to meditate on the Word. We've got to feed on the Word of God. We've got to stay with the Word of God. Even though we're in circumstances that tell us different. Even though the world tells us, well, you're going to lose your job because everybody else is. Well, they're going to vote on health care today and that's going to be a mess. Well, they're going to do this. Well, this is going to happen. Yeah, I guess it is. guess it won't ever be the same again. We've replaced our hope. God didn't say it was easy to believe His promises, to maintain His hope. But He did say it's rewarding. Don't let your hopes be replaced. Hold on to them. Put this here at the end. Rid yourself of contrary thoughts, fears, and reports. Strip them down. Get rid of them. Focus on His Word. Focus on His promises. Focus on His blessings. Those are the things we need to hang on to. Abraham is up and down following after the promises of God. But God didn't give up on Abraham. He won't give up on you. He kept coming after Abraham and keep giving him the promise again, a little different way. And each time he, he changed the emphasis. I want you to focus on descendants. I want you to focus on that you are going to be a father of many nations. Stop focusing on Ishmael. Focus on many. And each time you come and minister to him on that, God will minister to you to build your hope back up. You got to listen to him. You got to let him. He'll speak to you through his prophets. He'll speak to you through his word. He'll speak to you through his spirit. Listen to the things that God has to say. We've got to listen to what it is that God has to say. Would you all stand up with me? Just so that you all would have the same words going around in your head that I have going around in my head all the time. I asked Bruce to make this, this ready. Bruce, would you play our ending song here for us? This is my buddy. I love listening to his music. If you don't like listening to his music, you can get saved too. Come on up here to the front afterwards. We'll get you saved. <laughs> and then you'll love his music. <laughs> I love Brother David Ingalls. Not everybody appreciates the style of music he is, but you can sure appreciate his words. His words are, are good. This may be a song that is familiar to you. You can start that whenever you have it ready there, Brother Bruce. His words are filled with the hope that comes from the Word of God. They are filled with the promises of God. Lift up your eyes and look From the place where you now stand North, south, east, and west 
I'll give you all the land To thy seed forever God promised Abraham I will make thy faith seed Number as the sand And I'm of the seed of Abraham And his blessing rests on me Seed of Abraham, I'm not moved by what I see. Jesus was made a surety, and that's what I believe. He's the seed of Abraham, and his seed remains in me. Bless you going out And bless you coming in Even the length and breadth Of where your foot has been Fruitful I will make thee And thy seed after thee In their generation. I'll bless exceedingly And I'm of the seed of Abraham And his blessing rests on me I'm of the seed of Abraham I'm not moved by what I see Jesus was made a surety And that's what I His blessing rests on us. What He got as a promise from God, we have because we are grafted in. We are born of Jesus Christ. We are brought into the family of God. He said all nations, not just the many nations that would come from Him. He said all nations will be blessed because of you. I will bless all nations, all the families of the earth. Hmm. He'll do that. We've got to have those things going over in our head over and over and over because the enemy continually plants thoughts that tell us you're going down. This is it. You're not getting healed. You're not having enough financial need taken care of. You're not finding a job. You're not going to hang on to your job. This isn't going to go well. You're going to lose this too. And that's going to break. Just constantly as these thoughts come in and we can have a confession based on those thoughts. Don't have a confession based on those thoughts. Have a confession based on the promises of God. I'm of the seed of Abraham and His blessings rest on me. His blessings rest on me. We went over all the promises that God gave to Abraham here in these chapters. Those promises rest on you plus a whole lot more. Go over the promises. Have a confession based on the hope of God's Word. 
instead of the other hopes to come in. I hope you got to see today that Abraham allowed some wrong hopes to get in. And his confession began to speak about those hopes and not the hope that God had said. Have a confession based on what God says. Father, we thank You. We give You the glory and praise. You are our provider. You are the one who blesses us. You will bless those who bless us. You will curse those who curse us. If we have employers and they bless us, they will be blessed. If we have employers who don't treat us so well, it won't go so well for them because you will bless those who bless us. Father, we can be bold. We can even tell people, this business is blessed as long as I'm here because God is going to bless this business because of me. Thank the Lord that you'll do that. Hallelujah. Father, we've got to change our confession. We've got to get renewed on the hope that comes from your word and speak out that hope and not the other things that have snuck their way in. The thoughts that are trying to replace the promises. Your promises are true and they are great and they will come about because faithful are you. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.